This morning I want to continue to explore the theme of integrity and what integrity means in our practice and what integrity means in our lives. Uh, The last time I was here, we explored that theme and those present thought that we didn't quite explore it fully and that we had, there was more energy in the hall for continuing with that theme. And I had initiated the theme as the second of two talks the time before that, uh, connecting uh, practices of mindfulness and loving kindness with the uh, life and work of Dr. King. And I had explored that, particularly the theme of integrity, the second time of those two talks, when I was looking, for example, at the very difficult decision that he had to come out and be very vocal and public about questioning the Vietnam War. In a, you know, in a very famous talk that he gave in New York at the Riverside Church uh, on April 4th, 1967, one year to the day before he was killed. And you can find that talk, I I believe, on YouTube. It's quite an astounding and amazing talk, but it was very much an example, I was saying, of integrity. So I want to continue with that theme of integrity, this time look a little bit more into the theme that we started to open up last time, some of the challenges to integrity and uh, what helps us to work with integrity. And I'm going to give a fairly short talk, shorter than I usually give, and then work for maybe 15 or 20 minutes with some guided practices that we'll do in dyads, in working with each other. And then we'll come back and talk about what we found, talk about what we explored. So it'll be a little more interactive and experiential today. Okay, But I'll try to orient us with uh, a number of comments so when, when one looks to the dictionary and actually to, to reflect on the nature of integrity, there really, I think, are two main meanings that, that I found uh, in terms of what integrity refers to. The first has to do with more with being ethical, having a consistency of following moral principles. And so this would relate to themes like authenticity, sincerity, uh, being principled. You know, in the language, in the old language, would be of a righteous person and so forth. And there's that sense of integrity as consistency across all the parts of one's life in terms of living what one professes, living one's, one's principles. And then there's a second sense of integrity, which is maybe more about wholeness or about uh, being undivided. Of course, related to that more ethical sense, but there's a sense that uh, we can have integrity when the, our way of life is whole, in which we certain qualities manifest in all the parts of our lives, in 
all the parts of our being, that there's a kind of integrity. And I've come to almost think of integrity and wholeness as very important uh, mm, metaphors and terms for understanding really in our own times what the traditional notions of awakening and even enlightenment mean. That integrity starts to point to that. What does it mean in terms of our practice for us to have qualities like mindfulness, loving-kindness, compassion, wisdom, and equanimity highly developed, a lot of it is that they're really manifest in many different parts of our lives. And we can see where that is easier and where it's harder. In other words, uh, integrity points towards our practice being far more than what it often initially is, which is that maybe I manifest these qualities when I'm uh, meditating or when I am come on Wednesday mornings or when I'm uh, you know, in this particular place or when I do a retreat and so forth. And there's this pull that we might call the pull of integrity to manifest those qualities I mentioned more and more of the time and to actually have as an active search to see where we don't quite have those qualities manifesting or where it's hard or where we're ignoring this part of our lives or this aspect of our being, right? And the, the life of integrity really invites us to do that, to have that sense, to have that sense of wholeness, to uh, have the principles, the qualities manifesting more and more and to look and say, where am I really living those qualities and where is it hard? to really have that sense of expanding to have those qualities be there more and more. You know, I think a lot of uh, the old Tibetan saying that I like to often give, which points to the fact that for many of us, our qualities, our, these wonderful qualities can maybe there sometimes, but they may be harder to find when difficulties arise, right? Difficulties arise, as it said, under stress we regress, right? And often the qualities are wonderfully manifest where we're not challenged very much, right? The, the Tibetan saying is, when the sun shines and my belly is full, I look like a Dharma practitioner. <laughs> but when difficulties arise, my faults are exposed, right? And so... Uh, one of the places we can most look to see whether there's integrity is what do I do when I'm stressed? What do I do when this kind of difficulty arises, when that kind of difficulty arises, and so forth? And so um, uh, I like this theme of integrity. I think it, it points towards that those qualities of consistency, uh, wholeness, authenticity, and so forth, which again are, are I think, quite uh, excellent metaphors for different aspects of awakening that maybe have a more contemporary ring. We can, we can follow those. And the, the, uh, 
the very word integrity comes from, you know, our old friend from mathematics, integer, which means more or less, and that root means intact. You know, so uh, the, the, the very root of the word, I guess in Latin, I think in Latin, has to do with that. Um, uh, a few further uh, quotations about this theme. Uh, I, I mentioned, I think, uh, the last time that C.S. Lewis defined integrity as doing the right thing even when no one is looking. And this is, this is from uh, Warren Buffett, okay, the uh, business person. In looking for people to hire, you look for three qualities, integrity, intelligence, and energy. If they don't have the first one, the other two will kill you. <laughs> so I like that. So, um, and again, we have in developing integrity uh, always a sense that we're in the midst of a learning process. I think having that sense of having ongoing learning, and which means that we're always going to find ourselves falling short, there's always going to be some kind of imperfection that we find. And probably even in some of the people who we look to for having lives of integrity, there can be what we might call shadow areas that we find in those persons' lives or that we find in our lives. And it's really just to, I think, in all of our practice, just to keep going, to find where, oh, here is my next edge of learning in, term, in terms of integrity. And, you know, I was thinking of the larger question can be, what does integrity mean for me? And in general, what does integrity, an integrity of a life, if we want to call it that, of spiritual practice, mean in our times? You know, what does it mean in our times? And I was reflecting on quite a number of different meanings for that sense of integrity or wholeness. Uh, one of them means that we come increasingly after an initial training, maybe in meditation, we come to try to develop the qualities that I've, that I've named, mindfulness, loving-kindness, compassion, you know, equanimity, wisdom, and so forth. We try to develop those more and more off the cushion. You know, we try to develop them, we try to bring those qualities into our everyday lives, into our work, into our relationships, into our engagement with the community, with the larger world, and so forth. And that's a lot, right? How can I be mindful at work? How can I be mindful when I'm doing the dishes, when I'm talking, and so forth? Do I have mindfulness at certain times and then just go on automatic at other times? It's a whole large area. You know, one of, I think, great, I know for me, of great interest, and I think I know for many of you. It's a, real, it's a real edge for many of us. And related to that, it's a question of how do I keep that sense of connectedness with these qualities and the development of these qualities in lives that, for many of us, are quite busy. There are a lot of demands. How do you keep those qualities in certain kinds of work, to do certain kinds of work seem to come in conflict with some of your values. What do you do? What do we do with the demands of making a living, which are not easy, right? Not easy with this work or that work. You know, again, what do I do when there are difficulties? 
what do I find, as it were, exposed with difficulties, that I can go into habitual behavior when, when difficulties arise. I can be reactive, you know, uh, in certain circumstances. I remember, uh, you know, the teacher Ramdas once said, and I remembered this, he said, you know, you know, this is a deep and devoted spiritual practitioner. He says, of course, with my immediate family, spiritual practice goes out the window. <laughs> or it does at times, maybe. Right? That, there, that there are challenges we have. And I think it's, you know, it's one of the main themes that we keep coming back to on these Wednesday mornings is how to work with different kinds of challenges, different kinds of uh, challenges of difficult emotions, different kinds of conflicts, um, what happens when the mind is reactive or judgmental or there's fear or anger, all these, these are major themes of, of what we look at over the, over the weeks and months and years. And really looking at that, here's something from uh, Abraham Lincoln. You know, it's kind of fun in preparing the talk. You could, one, these days, one can Google integrity and suddenly get, you know, 50 quotes, right? It's kind of fun. You might want to do that. Here's one that I found. This is from Abraham Lincoln. Nearly all people can stand diversity, but if you want to test a person's character, give that person power. And this has some contemporary relevance from one president. <laughs> Yeah, um, and so the, the another dimension of uh, integrity or wholeness is relating to all parts of ourselves. How do we do that? You know, and we know that in many ways we each have what is called in psychological language shadows. You know, we have unconscious parts of ourselves or parts of ourselves that we don't know well and that sometimes have us behaving in automatic ways. We can have the shadow in all sorts of ways. We, we sometimes see this when we explore the uh, judgmental mind, as we do sometimes here, that we can see that that's a whole shadow area where there's a part of myself that actually is very negative towards self. Maybe it has conditioning that comes from the difficulties or the wounds or the distresses of life, particularly early life, where I may be very hard on myself and I may have that as part of my shadow area or I'm, you know, very fearful or I have um, certain kinds of uh, confusions or anxieties, whatever, or I'm, uh, you know, I tend to um, not see in myself certain difficulties, and I project it on to others. You know, the, the, the psychological analysis of shadow is, and this was said very clearly by uh, the psychologist Carl Jung, what we don't see in ourselves, we tend to project onto others where we encounter it as demonic. And this is very, very profound, and this goes a long way towards making sense of a lot of phenomena. The projection means that we sort of take something that we don't know in ourselves, especially something we consider negative, and we put it out there. You know, we put it out there. And this goes, this can explain everything from 
you know, difficulties in relationships to race relations to foreign policy. You find those phenomena of projection in all of those areas in a very profound way. And as long as we haven't really dealt with our own shadows, we, have, we haven't, we've missed an area in which we can develop integrity. And I think the same thing in a related way goes for social conditioning. There are areas of our shadow where we don't see, and you know, we don't see some of our social conditioning. We can look back to 100 years ago and see, oh yeah, those people really didn't see something, right? They're really caught in, the, in their period, in their age. What about us? There is something comparable. You know, how do we, how do we look at that? <clears throat> and it really also, you know, this relates to what we find with Buddhist tradition and probably most spiritual traditions where there is an emphasis on a certain ignorance of a spiritual kind that we, we because of our conditioning, we don't see ourselves deeply in our, and in Buddhist tradition would say, we don't see ourselves in the depths of our own capacity for love, for kindness, and for wisdom. We don't see our deep nature of interdependence, of love, of a certain kind of wholeness. And um, that actually the deepest kind of integrity is to live from, from our depths. That's what's taught, right? The deepest kind of wholeness and integrity is to live with that kind of unbroken wholeness of our basic nature, sometimes called a basic goodness or a basic deep awareness of interdependence, you know, qualities of wisdom and love taken to a high degree. That, you know, ultimately, I think our integrity rests on those qualities being more and more developed. And there's also the social dimension. I mentioned last time I was here, these very powerful and even provocative questions from uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, the great African-American um, sociologist and activist who um, was one of the co-founders in 1909 of the NAACP. And I mentioned that he wrote a... He, he decided at the age of 89 to embark on the writing of three novels, which he completed. So um, that's, that's quite something. And in one of the novels, he has one of the characters ask a series of questions, which are really questions about integrity. And I was, uh, these were brought to my attention by hearing Cornell West, who's, who's uh, you know, a, a, another African-American intellectual and activist. And here are the questions. These came about in the context of this novel. Four questions. How does integrity face oppression? What does honesty do in the face of deception? What does decency do in the face of insult? And how does virtue meet brute force? Very relevant nowadays, right? What does a life of integrity mean? And that, and this was a lot relating to the larger social frame of his time. He wrote those in the, that in the 1950s. 
and still very relevant. You know, what does integrity mean when there is a lack of integrity as one perceives it in the social political world, in this dimension or that dimension, whatever, whatever one sees? So I think it's helpful in this light to to see if this resonates with you some ways that we can practice with the theme of integrity. One of them is looking to what the challenges are to integrity. And I've mentioned some of them. One of the main challenges are just things that lead us into reactive states where I lose my center, right? How do I work with reactivity when it comes up or the difficult emotions I was mentioning? How do I work with these difficulties? That's, you know, almost by definition... When I lose my center, I lose my integrity. I lose my connection with my deeper values. And so a large part of uh, living a life of integrity is to learn more and more how to work with these difficult emotions, difficult situations, difficult interpersonal interactions, and take them as chances to learn and to better embody our core values. And of course, there's some part of us which doesn't want to do that. (laughs) There's some part of us which says, oh, that person has been this way. I'm perfectly righteously reactive. Right? And I lose my center. And so again, we could have a whole multi-week series on just naming each of these difficulties what do we do when we have reactivity coming from another person? Whether it's in an interpersonal relationship or reactivity coming from a government, right? What do we do? What do we do with reactivity coming towards us, noting the tendencies for me to be reactive um, in turn, as it were? What do I do with difficult emotions? How in particular... Do I keep centered with difficult speech when I'm involved in an interaction with someone? You know, and we can, we can look, I think, and a part of the inquiry that we'll do in a little while is to look individually at where our own challenges are for integrity. Maybe for some of us, it's, I feel a lot of integrity in this part of my life, but, you know, maybe in my spiritual practice, yes, in my family, yes, but at work, it's just a little different, right? How do I do that? Or in this part of my life, I have trouble bringing those principles or in these kind of situations or interactions. So it's part of this work of integrity is to see where am I personally motivated to develop further in integrity? Where's my learning edge? We just need one learning edge, even if we have a list and say, okay, I've got five or ten different areas where I could learn, but just try to learn one at a time. Very, there's a principle of learning. Just don't try to do too much. And so maybe just, just broadly I can say, it's a whole another question what do I do when, my, when I notice myself out of integrity? How do I respond? You know, how do I respond if I was out of integrity 
with some action that I, that I uh, committed or in a relationship. And I'll just very briefly mention a few things. Again, these could be the, something that we look into in a lot more depth, but I really just want to name some things that help. I think, again, the perspective that everything can be learning is really, really crucial. You know, it's taking that perspective not to take this as a good event or a bad event, but have that commitment to learning. I think a life of integrity is a life of learning. And that's not easy, right? I think it was someone in this who often comes to Wednesday morning who, who has, has the uh, phrase, another effing growth opportunity. <laughs> One way of looking at it, right? right? But can we take everything as learning? Can I watch when I've done something that I think is out of integrity, especially watch the judgmental mind, watch self-judgment, or maybe judging others because it's the person's fault that I'm messed up or whatever. Watch the judgmental mind. So first, take everything as learning. Second, watch the judgmental mind. Thirdly, Bring in mindfulness. Study situations when we're out of integrity. See what the emotions are. See what the beliefs are. Sometimes we find core beliefs that we can isolate and work through that are, that are there. Practices like forgiveness are very, very helpful when we find ourselves out of integrity. Self-forgiveness, forgiveness for another. Very, very crucial to, the, to, to develop those. I'll just, I want to move to an interaction. So maybe, maybe I'll let that be enough for most of what I'm saying. And then I'm going to have us collectively do some further inquiry around some of these questions, particularly the, uh, the nature of uh, integrity. And then secondly, what makes integrity hard or places that we find, places that we find challenges. I think I wanted to end with two particular uh, readings. One of them is one that comes from the Buddha. And this is really pointing to the quality, the way that integrity brings, when it touches our depths, brings a certain kind of happiness. And the Buddha said even a certain kind of bliss. And the Buddha had a beautiful phrase called the bliss of blamelessness. We could say that's the bliss of integrity. He talked about when one knows that one is blameless, when one knows that one has lived a life of integrity, a certain kind of bliss arises. It's quite quite something. And then I want to end with, uh, I think, an invocation to uh, integrity from the poet Walt Whitman. And then we'll do uh, some practices together. This is from Walt Whitman. Okay, so this is his, his checklist for how to live a life of integrity. In, on my interpretation, this is what he says. This is what you shall do. Love the earth and the sun and the animals. Despise riches. Give alms to everyone that asks. Stand up for the stupid and crazy. Devote your income and labor to others. Hate tyrants. 
argue not concerning God, have patience and indulgence towards the people, take off your hat to nothing known or unknown or any person or number of people, go freely with powerful, uneducated persons and with the young and with the mothers of families. This is like from 1855. Re-examine all you have been told at school or church or in any book. Dismiss whatever insults your own soul. And your very flesh shall be a great poem and have the richest fluency not only in its words but in the silent lines of its lips and face and between the lashes of your eyes and in every motion and joint of your body. So embodied integrity, right? Okay, ready to explore integrity further? Given that you're giving your uh, pep talk by Walt Whitman, okay? What I want to do is have us look into three questions. And I'm going to do, have us do this in dyads. And we're going to do it in the form of a process of inquiry that uses a particular technique that was developed by uh, Hamid Ali and Karen Johnson and others in the approach called the Diamond Heart Approach. Some of you, how many of you know this? Know this um, so this is an approach where we do kind of repeating questions. I'm going to work with us with, with maybe I'll ask, uh, the, here's the first question. This is, this is actually not a repeating question. I'm going to ask three questions. The second and third are repeating questions that I'll demonstrate in a moment. The first question is, who are embodiments of integrity for you? This is just for you to reflect on it right now for a minute or two. Think of two or three beings who embody integrity for you. And just reflect on that for a minute or two. Who are these persons, most likely? Who reflect, who embodies integrity for you? It'd be public figures as well. And then here are the two questions. The two questions will be tell me a way that you are in that you are in integrity, in other words, that you act with integrity, and then tell me a way that integrity is hard. And we'll do, we'll do this in a timed way that I'll guide us through. And I want to just demonstrate it by asking uh, Adrian to, she will ask me a question. Tell me, tell me a way that you are integrity. And what we do, I give a short answer. And then Adrian just comes back, or, or we would do this in our dyads, comes back and says, thank you. Tell me a way that integrity, uh, that you are in integrity. Okay. Okay, tell me a way that you are integrity is the question, okay? So Donald, tell me a way that... 
I'm in integrity when I ask questions about integrity. Thank you. Yeah, you can modify the questions to make them work for you. Okay. Tell me. Okay. Say again. When I, I'm in integrity, when I really look carefully at ways that I uh, lose it. When I really try to bring as much awareness and mindfulness to the flow of daily life as I can. When I bring topics to teach about here, even when I know that some of them may not be so popular. Thank you. But they're important to me. Okay, so, so you, okay, cut. So you got the idea? Now you can respond. You don't have to respond in one-liners. You can, you know, if you wanted to talk for a minute or two, we're going to basically have three minutes each for each question, and then the second question will be, tell me a way that integrity is hard. So you get the format? Okay, so... Form dyads, and then I'll give the instructions again, and we'll just make sure we're clarified. Find someone that you'd like to do this exercise with. Move your chair so you're in physical proximity to the person. Raise your hand if you need a partner. Okay, we have one person. Anyone else uh, need a partner? Okay, do we have a, we have a group of two there? Let's see, I'm looking right there. You have three people? What? What? Okay. Just join any group of two then. Okay. Okay. So, so the instructions are for, first of all, decide who will go first. One person will go first. Go first in terms of answering the questions. Decide who will answer the questions first. But don't start yet. Okay, now here, here are the instructions. The person answering the questions will just keep on answering. You can, again, you can give what, one-liner, or you can give, you can talk for 30 seconds. We're going to have about three minutes each for, for the two questions, okay? And then the uh, person who is asking just asks, tell me how you are in integrity, or tell me, Tell me how you live with integrity. You can modify the question. And when the person has finished, you just say thank you and you repeat the question. Got it? Okay. Any questions about what we'll be doing? And I'll time you and I'll ring a bell and I'll let you know with about 15 seconds left. So it can be pretty brief. Okay. Okay. Ready to start? Okay.
About 15 more seconds. We'll finish up and then uh, switch. Let the uh, first person ask, uh, ask, answering the questions now become the questioner. We'll just reverse roles another three minutes. So finish up. Thank your partner, whatever way you'd like. Thank your partner. Now we move on to the second question. Okay, hold on. We're going to move to the next question. We'll go back to the first answerer. The next question is, tell me a way that integrity is hard. Okay.
And the, per- the group of three, we have a, an opening here for one person, if you want to move. Yes. Tell me a way that integrity is hard, or tell me, uh, tell me how integrity is hard. You can modify the question that makes it work for yourself. Okay? Is that clear enough? Go ahead. Yeah. You, you, I'll ring a bell in three minutes. You can start. Okay. About 15 seconds more. So finish up and, and switch roles now. Start again with the uh, second person answering the question. Tell me a way that integrity is hard for you. Okay? Or you can, again, you can modify the question to make it work for you. Okay? We can start.
About 15 seconds more. Thank your partner in whatever way you'd like, and let's come back to the whole group. We have some time to uh, talk together. How many people had... Uh, insights that you hadn't had before about integrity. Good. Um, anyone like to share anything you noticed? Any question? Uh, please. And we have a. We can move the mic around. So uh, over here to my right. Raise your hand. We have two mics, one for the left wing, one for the right wing. First of all, my friend and I would like to know how you bugged our car so you know exactly what to talk about every time we come here on Wednesday. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, it's almost a little bit strange. We're also doing the, uh, the Year to Live class. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that really stirs things up because... You know, I'm going to die on next Valentine's Day, according yep. to this class that I'm in. And it, it has this, this uh, there's an urgency to, you know, what is an inte- what's integrity and, and what's just falling over backwards and letting people walk on you. Or, you know, it's my sister, so do I, you know, I have my sister who has got me in a terrible position. Do I just drop my hands and take the punches and on Valentine's Day look back and say, why didn't I do something about that? It's really brought yeah. things to a, an urgency where I'm looking at things in a very, very different way. Because I take this class very seriously. We're not yeah. in there goofing around. It's yeah. a pretty amazing... And your, your name? I'm Sue. Sue, yeah. So uh, there's a lot there. I mean, one thing is is that the... Something like a class, this is with Anna Douglas, right? Um, A class on a year to live coming out of a book by Stephen Levine of the same name that I think for thousands, if not more uh, years, uh, looking at one's own death and reflecting on one's own death has been used as a practice in multiple traditions that can really support um, the urgency of living according to one's deeper values. It's, it's always, that's always one of the main motivations, right? And so it can be really valuable to basically to let go of the small stuff wherever one talks about it. <clears throat> Keep your priorities clear, live with integrity, and so forth. And then the other point I think you were making or bringing out was that um, there are these situations where it's not always obvious what integrity means. And those can really be like in, like the equivalent of koans in the Zen tradition, where you just sit with it. You don't necessarily get a quick answer, but if you stay with it with a deep intention to look carefully 
and to live with your deeper values, it's a learning process, right? And so that we do have these high-level or confusing situations that uh, really we're not clear what integrity means. And those can be actually be very fruitful if you stay with them with some patience. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks. Um, please. My situation is somewhat similar. For me, one of the difficulties of integrity occurs when two different values are in conflict. Right. And you're in a situation where you cannot fulfill both at the same time. Yeah. And how does one choose? Yeah, can you give an example? Um, an example was uh, when my sister was filling out financial aid applications for her daughter to go to college. Uh, she asked me, would I take some of her assets um, <laughs> so, that, so that she would look to be in not as strong a financial position, which would increase her financial aid. And so I wanted to help a member of my family. But on the other hand, what she was asking me to do was deceptive and basically dishonest. But it was a difficult choice yeah. for me. Even though it was clear that mm. integrity was on the side of the honesty and the transparency, there was a price to pay in mm -hmm. having to decline support mm -hmm. for a member of my but family. But in, in uh, being with that quandary, you had to look deeply, yeah. right? You know, and then so, so I, yeah, and so I can't think it can be helpful to sometimes identify when there are two values which seem to be in conflict. You know, we've sometimes worked with, the th with themes of how you, one works with conflict. And, you know, as you know, I'm an advocate of what's sometimes called the both and or win win way of approaching conflicts. You know, there are multiple ways one can deal with conflicts. Meaning conflicts just as a difference in values, let's say, or a difference in interests, perspectives, and so forth. Not necessarily meaning aggression or hostility, but just a difference. Like, should I go out to eat to a Chinese restaurant or a, a Mexican restaurant, right? That's a conflict of sorts. Should I paint the house red or green, right? And here we have a conflict, and if one can frame as a conflict, sometimes you can look at it and see that there could be if one's creative, a way of resolving it so that you actually um, overcome the conflict. <clears throat> Sometimes one has to really identify the deeper value. I don't know how easy that is in this situation, but in others one can. So sometimes integrity seems to be threatened when we have a conflict between values like that. And we need to look deeply. And I think, again, I think I'm really focusing on how the inquiry and the learning is actually the center of it, as opposed to this or that way we act. Because there probably could be a few ways that one would act which would keep integrity, depending on the differences in the situation. Bottom line is that integrity isn't always easy. Yeah, integrity is not always easy, and there are such conflicts. You know, but I think it's helpful to name them. And again, you know, the way we sometimes approach it with the win-win or both-and approach to conflict, then if you can actually say, okay, there's a conflict between this value and this value, is there a way that I can actually have both? You know, and sometimes those are easy and sometimes they're not. But asking the question can take off in creativity. You know, if anyone has ever done some, something like mediation between two people, it's something like that. You look for a way not to just come down on one side or the other. Yeah.
Um, yeah, thanks. Larry, please. Larry. Um, I have a challenge with integrity when my partner asked me, what did you have for lunch? Because <clears throat> um, I'm trying to lose weight. If I, even if I say a salad, she'll say, oh, did you have a thousand calorie dressing? <laughs> 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 so usually I just won't, I won't really, sometimes I don't say what I really have for lunch, like uh, <laughs> spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> Yeah, so your, your partner has some pressure? Some pressure to uh, uh, go with the uh, low calorie? No, I have, the, I have the pressure to go with the low calorie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's, it sounds like it's kind of the... And what does integrity mean in that situation? To actually tell her what I had. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, just to be to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And to even though even knowing that she may disagree with it or make some snide comment about it, mm -hmm. I still should speak up and say I had this for lunch. Yeah, yeah. So it, I mean, we could go different ways with that, but one of them is just to know that pursuing a life of integrity or looking at a place where um, there's a challenge in our lives, um, integrity here could, you know, it's kind of like one of them is just in your honesty or not, and the other, you know, and then the, um, probably there can be a sense of integrity in terms, to, in terms of weight loss, like I'm just doing the best I can, and I'm not perfect, right? There's an integrity there, yes. right? right? Yeah, thank you. I'm taking you, home. I'm taking you home with me, so you can explain this. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can you can quote me. <laughs> One of the things that came up when you were talking about the question is, you know, integrity does involve being honest yeah, with where closer. you're coming, where you're coming from. Yeah. And what I found is like, you know, talking about hiding assets or whatever. I, you know, it you know, when you're in certain careers, you see a lot of people, for them, it is their truth. Yeah. They're just trying to get maybe formula for their kids, or they're yeah. trying to get, you know, a house to live in. Yeah. And so sometimes, like, I'm almost angry with my integrity because I'll feel like, well, maybe I'll fill it out honestly, but other people... So it's kind of confusing, the integrity. You know, it's very self-oriented kind of thing. It, it, Not everybody yeah. has integrity or feels that way yeah. in the same way. And I think many cultures are very different. Yeah. And so it gets, um, and like I said, that anger part of it, I've had to say, wait a minute, that's just your opinion. Yeah. You know, not somebody else's. So. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a, there's a lot in what you said. You know, I was, there are quite a few different dimensions. One of them is if I lead a life of integrity, will others take advantage of me? Or if, if I'm not playing the game which has less integrity, will I lose out? Yeah, and then you get reactive. <laughs> Wait a minute. You and know. you get reactive, and I mean, and uh, there are plenty of situations where that is the case, right? Right. And what does one do? So sometimes integrity means one doesn't play a game, and you and there can be a cost to it. Exactly. Right. And and then and one still might choose the life of integrity, or you might have other, you know, might get into something like that conflict about, uh, you know, about can I live with uh, 
can I live with my own integrity and just say this is, this is my choice, right? How many of us have had choices like that, right? So those, those are be wonderful, yeah, it would be wonderful to stay another hour and hear those stories. They're probably pretty interesting and even inspiring stories, right? And then, you know, and then the question of is integrity self-centered? In a certain sense, yes, but it really is most of the values that we have are actually very social. You know, if we're talking about integrity uh, as honesty, that's a, very, that's a very socially oriented value, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's both oriented towards, it's like taking responsibility here, but in a way we're doing it for others, right, also. So it's not totally self-centered, it seems. So maybe last one, and then we'll, have, we'll, we'll finish up. No, please. I find it hard to have integrity. A little in ex- closer. I, I find it hard to have integrity in the acceptance of myself in this new phase of my life. Yeah. Can you say a little bit more what you mean? I can try. Um, the last phase of my life was very difficult, and I made some serious mistakes to, yeah. in my character. Yeah. And my family has forgiven me, and I'm moving on, trying yeah. to move on from that. But... Um, accepting myself and forgiving myself is proving to be quite a challenge. Right. Got you know, got it. Yeah, so um, again, maybe I'll finish with this, that the um, live, living a life of integrity sometimes means that we uh, relate to things that we've done which maybe were not in integrity or that were uh, problematic or went against our values. And that takes uh, that takes a lot of Honesty and it takes a lot of courage. You know, I think I think it was uh, the poet Yeats said once that actually facing ourselves in our fullness takes more courage than a soldier needs on a battlefield, right? And there's something that is you know very beautiful about what you're about what you're sharing, but it is difficult. One needs support. One needs practices practices like forgiveness practice, compassion. Some of the heart qualities can be very important in that setting. How can I work with uh, forgiveness cause the, and, and watch for the judgmental mind, right? For that getting strong and taking over. So thank you for sharing that. So let's, let's finish just by inviting us to reflect on where you'd like to take our, you know, what you learned or where you went in our session. Any sense of intention coming out of our time here? next steps related maybe to integrity or anything that came up. It might be to ask a question, what is a leading edge for me, an edge of learning in my own integrity? What seems to be the place where I'm exploring integrity the most right now? And we finish in the traditional way by 
recognizing that we explore in this way, we do our practice, we develop integrity both for ourselves and very much for others, and that ultimately the horizon of our practice and what we offer is for the benefit of all beings, which includes us. Thank you very much, and um, take notes on your development of integrity and share them with me and others. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.